Europe comes together to celebrate, quite frankly, some of the best music I think that's ever been written. Is it Glastonbury? No. Is it Ozfest? It's not Ozfest. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Michael Ball. Aspects of Love. No, nothing to do with Andrew Lloyd Crashface. The Olsen brothers. They're not brothers, they're... Ticky, tick, tick, tick. They're not, there. they're not brothers. Who are... No, not the Olsen twins. It's Eurovision. Oh. Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. Every May I get really excited because of course it's a Eurovision Song Contest, which I love. Of course. So do I. Well, how could you not? There are people who have labelled me as being somewhat disturbed for having the level of enjoyment I have over it. Admittedly, having the past seven years CDs of the contest may be a tad excessive. But at least you haven't got 50 years. That's it. At least I haven't gone to the trouble of downloading every single song ever entered, rating it. How, how are you my, getting on with that? It's, it's a long job. <laughs> 79p a pop is most of my money gone a month. I love it though. And of course, I'd like to use that as the fetus for this month's podcast. Okay, go for it. I love Eurovision. Discuss. I love it too. That's not really much of a discussion, is it? Let's, let's tackle it from this angle then. The Eurovision Song Contest has produced some brilliant songs. That's my opinion, obviously. What do you think of the highlights of the past let's say 10 years of it, because that's really as far as my viewing goes. Winning it. Yes. Although at the time, I didn't like the song we won with. Love Shine Light. Yeah, didn't like it. Now I've heard it, I, again, since, I think, yes, that's a, that was a winner. Obviously, it was a winner, but yes, it's a winner. Makes me think, is the only way we can win it again by getting someone who's not English, Scottish or Welsh to sing in the contest? Possibly. Even Northern Irish. Mind you, we did get an Australian to have a go, didn't we? Who is that? Gina G. Oh, yeah. She was Australian. She's made a pop comeback as well. Has she? In the UK? Yes. I must have missed that. Oh, she, uh, her dress fell off in the video as well. I'm surprised you missed that. Really? Yeah. The whole premise of the video is that she is a catwalk model, but things keep going wrong. She ends up with a spider in her hair and she has a fit and she falls over. There's... One where they haven't clipped her dress on properly. So as she's walking down the catwalk, it falls off. And then right at the end, she's got her dress tucked into her pants at the back. Really? That's a whole set of unfortunate events for a catwalk model. It is. And let's be honest, it's two opportunities out of the three there to see Gina G's pants. That's quite correct. But also, if it was me, by the third time she'd mucked up, I probably would have fired her. I didn't know that she'd, uh, she'd released a single. I know she went for Eurovision again last year. She was one of the uh, ones on Making Your Mind Up. Let's get on the internet and dig out the video. It's worth a watch. Yeah, it is worth a watch, I could imagine. And, and, and you, your question, to go back to that, was what are your highlights yeah, from Yeah, what are your highlights from Eurovision for the past G- few years? Gina G's pants. What was that? Must have been 96? Yeah. 96. Came I mean, second, of course. My memory is that her dress got smaller in every single thing she appeared on prior to the show. It got shorter it going and shorter, shorter and shorter. And when it actually came to the contest, when she raised her arms up in a dance or overhead clapping motion, the skirt lifted up to... Didn't she wear Union Jack pants? Or am I mistaking her for a Spice Girl? I think that was Jerry Halliwell, wasn't it? 
at the Brits probably around the same time. It was yeah. a similar sort of dress, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, obviously, Gina G, I thought, was a very big uh, plus for British Eurovision entries. Not not quite the same feelings surrounding uh, surrounding Jamie Foxx. That's when we got into a little bit of a habit of using failed reality pop stars as entrants into Eurovision. Yeah. I mean, there was the, uh, the one from Pop Idol, was it? Jessica, Jessica Garlic. Yeah. Going for the French vote there. Apparently she's a Mormon. Is she? Yeah. I didn't think she was that stupid. Or am I missing something? Mormon, not moron. <laughs> right. Mormon. Are they the ones that, in the popular imagination, are allowed to marry many wives? What did you just say? In the popular imagination? Yeah. In, insinuating that it's a popular misconception that Mormons oh, right. can marry many times, when in fact that was sort of abandoned 50-odd years ago. This is a TV show. Big Love. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's set among a Mormon community, but in reality, it's frowned upon, yeah. I think. Well, he's still good to poke for. You don't hear him any bigamist these days, do you? No, he died, didn't he? He was shot by another rapper. Bigamist Smalls. Oh, wow. I don't think, I think he'd have been lucky to have got one wife, to be honest. He yeah. did have one wife, didn't he? Did he? I don't know. Yeah, Faith. Yeah, because then she sang on the record that Puff Daddy did. I feel marginally bad now. Why? Maybe I should have been busier offering my condolences than taking the mickey. Been a while. I think she's got over it. I think she's going out with Puff Daddy now, it's, probably. It's okay to laugh. He wouldn't do well in Eurovision, though. Rappers in Eurovision either have to be Dutch and rapping in English and using very basic English at that. And it still doesn't win them anything. It still doesn't win them anything, no. But I think that's the only condition it can be, unless you're Daz Samson, of course, our last last year's entry from Britain. And it still doesn't win you anything. It still doesn't win you anything. I, don't, I can't believe. What about Love City Groove? That was rubbish, wasn't that it? Was still rap. In the morning, when the sun shines down on your body, and I'm really making love now. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm willing to bet not only is that the best Love City Groove impression of the last five years, but it's the only Love City Groove impression of the last five years. Ten years. <laughs> Eleven, if we're going from the actual time they appeared in the contest. Was it 95? Actually, you probably did do another impression of them about six years ago. So, uh, Yeah. It's still me, though. It's I con- still get the kudos. Consistent. Every yeah. five years, he does it one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm... You may as well pencil next five years one in now. I put it in my calendar. Yeah, do it. Love City Groove. Even if it's just one o'clock in the morning, I'm on my own. I'll just wake up, do it, and go, that's off a chest. I can go back to sleep for another five years now. For me, highlights of the past sort of five, six years include... The, I think the quality of the female entries has risen every year. When you say quality and you say the female entries, thinking that female, that's not one nation there. No. That's, it's not like saying the quality of the Norwegian entries has gone up. That would be foolish. You say it's the quality of the female entry. So previously you're saying female entries were not as good. But I've got a feeling I know where you're going with this. I'm basically saying that every year per square foot of stage, there's more woman I'd like to sleep with in the Eurovision Song Contest. If we could get all the acts on one stage every year, the square footage would increase. Cheryl Baker or Jane Aston? Jane Aston, the other one. Yeah. Can't remember what she looks like, so Cheryl Baker by default. Do you think that removal of skirts or short skirts is the key to success? Because Gina G, she came second. It's a tough one. Maybe not necessarily skirts now, it's been done many times, but the Ukrainian entry that won a few years ago, that was basically a, a Xena warrior princess outfit, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it was very skimpy. And look at it, and I think even one of the acts last year, I can't remember where it was from, 
it was basically a bloke and a woman came out and started singing. And every now and then they would both pass behind the screen. And every time the woman came out in less and less clothes. And by the end of it, she was basically singing in her bra and pants. Did it win? No. Hmm. Maybe it doesn't work anymore. I don't think it works to the extent it used to. No. But I think having quality female talent is going to be remain central to your vision of victory. Who's your favourite? Of all time? Yeah. That's a really tough question. There'll always be a special place in my heart for one step out of time. That's not a female entry. Oh, I thought you meant in general. Oh, well, we can do both. Okay, let's do both then. We'll start off with female entries then. Are we talking song or girl? All. Okay. The Ukrainian entry last year, probably the most attractive one that's been in it for years. Song-wise, I did like the Greek one that won the year before. That was all right. My number one. It was really good. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't, help, asking the question. I can't help but feel that my, my knowledge of your vision is somewhat unnatural. <laughs> yeah. I absorb so much of it. I, don't, I think it's because I put far too much effort than it deserves into it. Is your favourite female not Samantha Janis? She, no, I've never heard the song. You know, I've never even heard the song. It was a little bit before the time I started looking. It was a year before Michael Ball, wasn't it? It was. He was the starting point for you, wasn't he, Michael Ball? I think so. That was probably the one that I started watching. I can't really remember too much about the contest, but you've since told me that you remember Terry Wogan saying that he's going to come out and attack the song. Just watch him attack this song. That's what Terry said, but in a better accent. Maybe you can do it. Ha! Ah, Terry Wogan. Just watch him. Just watch this lad attack this song. And he said it about seven times before, whilst the intro music was going. And then Michael Ball kind of ambled down the stage. We lost that year as well, didn't we? we second. second. Yeah. Yeah. We had many well, second. We've had the most second entries of any country. 15 number two places. I have to say, a highlight for me was coming last with Neil Poir. For Gemini? Yeah. Initially, as the points started coming in, I got increasingly angrier and angrier. But then they reached a point where I thought, well, I don't want any now, then. Yeah. If I'm not giving, I'd rather just lose completely than just lose. I think you're going to do better as uh, a complete failure than you are as a mid-tabler. Well, yeah. For example, Jamie Foxx was something like 16th. I'd rather come 25th out of 25 than 16th or 19th or something rubbish. I'd, I'd rather be in the record books for the first nil point. Oh, it's too late now. But uh, You can't. No. You know what? Tattoo were in that year as well, weren't they? They was didn't that, win either. No, they came third. Their song was basically just noise, though. And that was the year they threatened to perform naked. What a shock, Tattoo using some sort of sexual depravity as a marketing stunt. Not really depravity, is it? Oh, no, just being nude isn't a depravity <laughs> in itself. But threatening to do it live on stage at your original song contest is something of a... Not really a threat as far as I'm concerned. Well, some people, the organisers probably didn't like the idea too. That's the same reason why Johnny Vaughan and Denise Van Outen never claimed the top spot with their cover version of Especially For You. That they wouldn't do it naked? No. The fact that Denise Van Outen promised live on The Big Breakfast that she would present the following day show topless if they got to number one. Really? If they got to number two. Makes me think The Big Breakfast producers rushed out and bought the singles of whatever got to number one. Probably not true. They probably would have had a topless, bought a big folder in front of it or something. There's a point in that. There's no point in it whatsoever. But no. There's no way a national television programme is going to let their presenter go topless before the watershed. Where does the watershed end? That's a very good question. At what point is it no longer past the watershed and it's actually now pre-watershed? I would have thought somewhere in the... Or five o'clock in the morning region. 
something about the Eurovision that I would be interested to know. I don't know that there's any way we could find this out. But a lot of the British entries in recent years, it's been a last-ditch attempt at fame or to carve their name out in the music industry, as shown by Jessica Garlick, Jamie Foxx, Anthony Costa going for it last year, mm. and uh, Kim Marsh going for it last year. Yeah. So obviously it's, it's like clinging on to that last shred of professional entertainment industry. A lot of the European acts, they have a different approach to it than Britain. Whereas we need a new song and a new songwriter, a lot of the European commissions will ask prominent European artists to represent their country on their behalf. Do you think that any of these acts see the Eurovision as a way of breaking into the British music scene? It's probably a fairly arrogant viewpoint, but to me, I seem to think that the British music industry is possibly seen as second only to like breaking America. I think it is commonly known as the biggest music industry outside of America. So do you think they see it as their, their opportunity to showcase Brit to Britain? Quite possibly. Do. do you remember Al Sue? I do. She was a... Uh, Fondly. <laughs> and often. <laughs> if only. She was an entry back in 2000, I seem to recall. Yep, 2000. She was a Russian starlet. Yep. And I think even a year down the line, mm. she was trying to break the British market. She released that song called Before You Love Me, which sounded a lot like a Samantha Mumba song. I don't remember the song. I've got it on CD somewhere. Vaguely. I downloaded it off the internet. But yeah, she had a go at that. And then a couple of years ago, she had another go. She released, I think it was released in America, and it had a rapper featuring on it. Not a particularly well-known rapper. So she's had a couple of cracks at breaking out of the European market again. But I'm surprised that there's not been many European success stories off the back of Eurovision. No. The only two I can really think of is ABBA, obviously, and Celine Dion. Yeah, that's true. But did, were ABBA famous before, then? I think it was their first single. Their first threat in, entry into the music scene was entering the Swedish Eurovision. Al Sue, though, have you seen her recently? No. Because I'll be surprised if she still looks the same. Because when, when she first entered Eurovision, I think she was 16. Yeah, something back in, like that. Back in 2000, which would make her, what, 22 now? Yeah. Both that original entry into Eurovision, plus the following year that I saw her, she looked late 20s. wonder what she looks like now. Is she going to look like she's in her mid-30s? Depends. I suppose a lot of it could be down to makeup, or maybe she's generally ageing rapidly. But she had quite a deep voice as well. Yeah, she started off with a very mature voice for her age, didn't she? I'm wondering whether we're going a little bit too in-depth for people that don't know who Al Sue is. Yeah. Look her up. Have a look, see what you think, is my opinion. But other than that, I can't think of any major breakouts. Back to the highlights, then. Yeah. What are some more of your highlights? A lot of people, I think, see the, I think it was 96 one, the one that was held in Ireland where Riverdance originated as the halftime show in Eurovision when Ireland were hosting it. Personally, I don't find that. I don't find it a highlight, but a lot of people think of it as something that gave way to the great stage show. I, I find it a little bit dull. Personally, anything that gave birth to Michael Flatley's career is not seen as a highlight for me. No, I can appreciate the skill, but I don't want to see two hours of it, is my point. Yes. But the half-time show, I really like. I, can't, I think it was in the 2001 show. Denmark had won it the previous year, and so the half-time show was Safri Duo and Aqua doing a medley of Aqua hits. And it sounds crap now, but I was quite impressed by it. Have you got Aqua's Greatest Hits? I didn't know they had a Greatest Hits. But if they've got done one, three songs, haven't they? Two albums. Three hits. Barbie Girl. Dr. Jones. The one from Sliding Doors. That's it. Cartoon Heroes. 
They weren't Aqua, though, were they? Yeah, that was... Aqua did not... No, they were cartoons. They did the song Cartoon Heroes. Now I'm thoroughly confused. There was the band Cartoons that did Witch Doctor. Ah. But Aqua did a song called Cartoon Heroes. Ah. Which I think was their last major... Well, I say major. Our last hit in the UK. Four songs. Four songs. It's not really a career, is it? It's the greatest hits EP. That's like going backwards in music, isn't it, surely? Why? Don't you start out with an EP? Uh, not necessarily. What does EP mean? Extended play. So it's a little bit longer than a single. Oasis recently released an EP to promote the fact they were releasing their greatest hits. So they did a Stop the Clocks EP, which had Acquiesce, three other hits on it. <laughs> I can't think what they are. <laughs> three other random Oasis hits. Yeah. From the war chest of hits that they have. Oasis in Eurovision. I don't think it would work. I don't think the UK could enter in any way a traditional UK song and win. Def Leppard in Eurovision. Yes, it's a winner. Unquestionably a winner. Do you think they would? No. Could we persuade them? I'd love to see it. I would genuinely love to see Def Leppard in Eurovision. But I think they've been snubbed by Britain too often now. No one buys Def Leppard. They're probably seen by the, the younger generation as a bit like granddad rock, aren't they? Not to the extent of like maybe Deep Purple would be, but Def Leppard are probably seen as a little bit too old for doing what they do compared to, I don't know, McFly. She's got to get a haircut. I think that'd do it. Yeah. Cause I'm surprised that in the 90s, Bon Jovi continued to have success and indeed build on success, whereas Def Leppard, doing roughly the same sort of music, didn't have that same level. Is it because they lacked the attractive frontman? Quite possibly. A lot. I think a lot of bands' success is down to whether they have an attractive frontman or not. Always by Bon Jovi. Or Love and Hate Collide by Def Leppard. Love and Hate Collide for a proper song, always for a laugh. Why a laugh? I've got a memory of, I was in the backseat with one of my mates driving through Nottingham with my brother and the traffic lights stopped red and he got out of the car with always playing really loud on the radio and an old woman was waiting at the bus stop and he was like doing all the sort of I love you arm movements. <laughs> then they turned green, he jumped back in and we went. Brilliant. So forever since then, always has had a comedic place in my heart. You would say that always, it will always be there. Always. Something that I do appreciate from your vision, before Pop Idol or X Factor or pop stars, pop rivals, any of that. Eurovision, since they introduced phone voting in the mid-90s, has basically been the biggest talent contest in Europe. Yeah. So I'm surprised that, as we've said, not many people have had success from it, despite the fact that millions upon millions of European people see you act for one night and they give you your support through a vote that none have gone on to have substantial commercial or career success, really. Depends what gimmicks you've used. I mean, essentially, ripping skirts off is not going to make a career for you, is it? Well, it depends if you want to branch out into eggs and baker. I think that was just a byproduct. It wasn't really Bucks Fizz doing the whole show, was Not it? really, no. Do you think it was basically based on her name? Yes. It didn't really work as well, because if you consider cooking food, and the fact that her name is already Baker, you've already really done the pun. You don't need to then do another pun. It's a pun in itself. Double punning? Yeah. That's unfortunate. Whole nations give you their stamp of approval in Eurovision through the 12 points, and I'm willing to bet not many people go on for success in those countries. Is it simply choosing the best of a bad bunch? Quite possibly. I'm going to ask you a question now that may be not answerable. What's your least memorable moment that you can remember? That is a hard question to ask through the nature of what is being asked. Yes. My least memorable moment 
I think, would probably have to be Jessica Garlic entering for the UK. Because usually I can remember most UK entries pretty well, and I can remember thinking that they were good. But I can't even remember her walking out on stage and how it was performed. Who was the person that entered straight after Michael Ball? Francis Ruffell or something. That was it. I couldn't quite remember. He is Bruce Forsyth's son-in-law. Oh. Or nephew or something. It's a girl. Hmm? It's a girl, isn't it? Who is? Francis Ruffell. I don't think so. There was a female entry that I'm trying to remember from the early to mid-90s. Samantha Jonas, Michael Ball. When did Sonia enter? Sonia was 93, I think, and then that Francis bloke was probably 94. I'm sure it's a woman. No, unless, am I thinking of the one that lost in 89 against Celine Dion? Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. That probably is a woman then. No, you're thinking of Nicky French, aren't you? No. You know what? Oh, it probably is Francis Ruffell then. I always assumed it was a man. Why was that? Because it's Francis. Yeah. It's not Frances. That'll be why. Anyway, if it is her, I'm not saying it definitely is him, but I remember the Song for Europe contest being done by him stroke her performing on what is actually the set of Noel's House Party, but done up with a few extra decorations to make it not the Noel's House Party set. A few flags. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I find it interesting to think of the ones that never made it into Eurovision. And I think some of them are, are actually more interesting, like Jordan going for it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely abysmal song and entry. What about, you remember Lindsay D? Yeah. She got it, though, didn't she? Yeah. She didn't do very well, though. No, and I thought that was a pretty good song, to be honest. It was a, it was a year where every song in the contest seemed to be a classical stroke pop crossover. Because that was the year where there was that amazing, I think it was Slovakian one, where the woman came out and was singing and they had the massive grand piano solo in the middle, which was brilliant. But my favourite bit of the whole song was just after the chorus, whenever she said a word, it went, like on a synthesizer. Brilliant. Yeah, that was it. It was me. That's all it takes to make me happy. Might do that more often. He sounded a bit like Britney Spears. Ow. Ow. What's happened to Britney? She's had two babies and is living in a trailer eating grits. That would guarantee us a win if we could persuade her to enter Eurovision. She wouldn't, but... That brings me on quite nicely, in fact, the idea that America is planning a Eurovision-style song contest. I've heard this. To rival the American Idol yeah. on a different channel. It's going to be much more like American Idol in that each state will have peeps to decide their act and then there will be one American show. 50 states. That'll take forever. Europe, I think there's something like 40-odd countries are eligible to enter, but even then they're paired down in the pre-show, in the, in the semi-final now. Maybe they should do that, though. They could have a semi-final on the Friday. How did they decide, though? The European one has the ways of deciding. The previous year's contest determines who's not qualified, I think. I think it's the top ten automatically go through from the previous year. Then there's a couple that get automatic entry anyway. Britain, France, Spain and Germany as the biggest financial contributors. And the final ten places are made up from the others. It sounds like an administrative nightmare. They probably need some sort of... UN-type organisation to sort it out. And another thing is that I find interesting is that to be in the Eurovision Song Contest, you don't actually have to be a European country. Israel. Exactly. You simply have to be a member of the European Broadcasting Union, which technically, I think, Egypt is a member of it. So if it wanted, it could qualify to enter the Eurovision Song Contest. I think it should. Why is that? 
Because then we'd have a year where everything had an Egyptian theme to it. Yeah. Snake charmers and all sorts. Is that a way forward, do you think? A theme from each country? No, but it's happened, hasn't it, already? Yeah. See, this is another reason why I don't think the UK is really going to win again. Because I used to think that it was just no one liked us. But now increasingly, I'm beginning to realise that other countries that are joining, like um, Bulgaria, Slovakia, Slovenia, Armenia was in last year, they have their very own ethnic-sounding music. And I used to think that they just liked each other and voted for each other. Whereas it's really, that's just the sort of music they like. So obviously, a Bulgarian is going to prefer the sound of Romanian music to French music. Yes. Because it's more they're used to. I don't think it's anything necessarily sinister. It's just that it's tough, you know, pander to their tastes if you want to win. Maybe we should enter USA vision. We'd probably have a better chance of winning the American one. Would you ever consider it? No. What if you could enter both? No, I don't think I would. Because I like... The idea is it's, it's a European competition. The American one for North America. If it started to include things like Canada, so it was a North American competition, I'd consider maybe putting one in for it. Still, maybe putting the same entry into both. Still sounds too big. You know, then you probably have a few of the Caribbean islands want to be involved. Mexico. But then with the French Canadians involved, France might want on board. Yeah. People might start defecting from Eurovision to Amerovision. Because they stand a better chance of winning. Yeah. No, I don't want it. I won't have it. Write a letter to your MP. Say, we want to get in the way of Amerovision. We're just assuming Amerovision's a name. That's a silly name. It's probably going to be American pop fantastics. Mm-hmm.